night. Well, while all the old people make it out of the auditorium, <laughs> I had to say that, you know, it's just that honoriness in me. I saw Robert leave it. That's why I said it. So, all right, well, take your Bible this morning. We're in the book of Revelation, book of Revelation. And uh, if you're, you should be getting a copy of the outline this morning. And if you did not receive one, raise your hand there if you would. Anybody did not? Chris, you want to bump that air just a little bit, just so we got a little air flowing in here, and uh, maybe it's me, but it feels, feels a little warm in here already, and so we're looking forward to the lesson this morning, and we're talking about contemplating Christmas, and so this morning as we look here in Revelation chapter number one, the Bible says, and if you have your Bible open, I know I just have one verse in your outline there. But let's, let's look at these verses preceding this one verse this morning. Revelation 1, verse 1. The Bible says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, if you get into chapters 2 and 3, what you find is, is that chapters 2 and 3 uh, are the what we oftentimes call the letters to the churches in Asia Minor. There were seven churches, and so here's a verse, verse 4 that kind of gives you a little glimpse of where the Lord's going to go in those couple chapters. In verse 4, look at it. John, and of course we understand John was the one that God gave the prophecy, the words to write down. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you. Now you understand, a church is not a building, right? Church is people, right? The people of God. So notice he uses the words there, grace be unto you and peace from him, now notice the description here, from him which is, which was, and which is to come. Now that's a great description of the eternality of our God, is that, that he has always been. And so he says here, which is, which was, and which is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now you look at these verses this morning and you, you think about Christmas time and you think about how special the Christmas season is. And one thing that we'll focus on even this morning is that Jesus came and he was born of a virgin. We all understand the Christmas story as it's depicted in the Word of God. Now we understand what is born uh, from a woman is a baby, right? I mean, you stop and think about uh, sometimes how large some, some babies are when they're born. And I will think to myself, that poor mother, you know, having to deliver that child that big. But you ever think about sometimes, I know that as a parent, that there have been times in the past for me that I oftentimes wondered how my children would turn out. You know, when God gives you a child, you never really know how a child is going to turn out. You know, I've had four children, I now have six grandchildren, and I'm still not an authority 
on parenting or grandparenting or uh, really understanding or having the wisdom of how a child will turn out. And it must have been the same way when Jesus was born. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought, what is this baby going to do for us? Uh, what makes this baby any different from any other baby that's ever been born? You ever talk to a mother? It can be the ugliest baby you've ever seen. And she goes, isn't he just the, the cutest little baby? you've?" And you just have to stand there and lie, don't you? You know, oh yeah, he's just the cutest little thing I've ever seen, you know. But, you know, Mary, look what the Bible says there in your notes in, in Luke 2.19. And here's a statement we hear a lot of times at Christmas time. Mary kept all these things. Everything she heard, she kept all these things. She stored them up. And the Bible says she pondered them in her heart. Now, the word ponder means to, to contemplate, to sit there and think about and maybe meditate on uh, what all this means, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you hear certain things and, and sometimes when you get the news, it can be very overwhelming. Uh, for instance, when Mary was about to uh, give birth and even prior to that, there were things that was told to her by the angel of God, the messenger of God. Hey, look in your notes here. Here's a couple examples of how there were so many things for Mary to think about. Look at Luke 1.33. Look at this verse. And he, her son, this baby, shall reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no what? And wait a minute. He has a kingdom? I mean, this is my little baby. I didn't know he was even going to be a king, have a kingdom. And she's thinking, boy, that's, that's, that's uh, I don't know if I can really wrap my, my mind around that, really understand that. How about Luke 2.11, when the Bible says, and unto you this is born this day in the city of David, look at the word there, a Savior, which is Christ Lord. Anybody know what Christ means? It means Messiah, the anointed one, the one that they had been waiting for. Look, folks, you have to understand, if you read God's Word in the Old Testament, all those years, hundreds of years, there were all kinds of prophecies that had been given about how that God one day would send a Savior. And Mary's like, that's my son? That's this baby? She's thinking to herself, he's going to be the Messiah? How about this one? Look at look just a couple verses over in Luke 2 and verse 35, where she was told, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, and the thoughts of many hearts shall be revealed. Wait a minute. A, a sword is going to pierce my soul? Why? Why am I going to experience that? Why am I going to go through that? Folks, listen, when you think about Christmas time, and you think about all the times what we just simply call the Christmas story, there's a lot to ponder. There's a lot to think about, a lot to contemplate, because you never know how a baby is going to turn out, how a child will turn out. Did Mary know that, that her little baby would be Lord of all creation? Did she know that, that Jesus was heaven's perfect lamb? I mean, how in the world would Mary know these things? And so every one of us need to understand Look, as we, as we are Christians, we understand the Word of God. We have a 
personal relationship with Christ, we understand these things because by faith we read them in the Word of God. But there are many that are alive on this earth today that still don't understand it, that still don't believe that Jesus is who the Word of God says He is, who the angels told Mary that He was. So as we prepare for Christmas, and it's really not too far away, if you, if you lose track of how many days it is, just walk into Walmart, they tell you as soon as you get inside the door there, how many days away it is. But there's a great verse here, Revelation 1.5, that reminds us of who Jesus is. And as John is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives us a threefold picture of who the Lord is. And I want you to look at, uh, at this verse this morning, because look what it says again in verse number five. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now there's three thra- phrases in that verse that we just read that I want to kind of focus in on this morning that really give us the true identity of this baby that was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. And with each one of these uh, answers a question about who Jesus really is. So look at the three things I've given you this morning in your outline. The first one is, can I trust him? That's, that's a great question this morning. Uh, there's a lot of people that are still struggling. I mean, over, over the generations, so many people have heard the name Jesus, right? And uh, if you're like me, I got saved when I was 20. I, got, I heard the name of Jesus long before I got saved. Uh, I mean, honestly, you go out Christmas shopping this time of year, you're going to hear the name of Jesus. You're going to see it. Now, you probably don't see it as much as you would have saw years ago. But, but understand that many have, have heard the name of Jesus But what people simply want to know is this, is can I trust him? Now, I think we know the answer to that question, right? But a lot of people today are, you know, people today, they'll hear the message and they'll think to themselves, you know, listen, uh, you say that I can trust him. Can I really put some stock in that? Can I really believe that, that he is faithful. Well, look what John's first title there is. John calls him the faithful witness. That's a great phrase there. The word witness, is I think we all understand, is somebody who who, uh, tells what they've seen or what they've heard. That's what a witness is. But that's not the way John describes Jesus. He calls him the faithful witness. Now, when you put that word faithful in front of the word witness, it changes everything. Because now the word faithful witness is someone whose testimony is reliable every time. Every time. That means that that everything that Jesus says, you can rely on it. You know why? Because everything he speaks is the truth. Jesus only tells the truth. His word is absolute truth. God's word is authoritative. Look what Paul, as he was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13, he says, I charge thee in the sight of God, who quickeneth, that means to bring alive all things. And look at the phrase here, before Christ Jesus. Now notice what it says about Jesus here. Who before Pontius Pilate, when he was on trial for his life, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed what kind of a confession? A good confession. You know what that means? A true confession. He didn't lie about things. He told the truth. I learned a long time ago, and I wish I'd have learned longer ago than I did. 
that it it's always turns out much better if I start with the truth. Because you know what happens when you tell a lie? You have to tell another lie to cover that one up, don't you? Before long, you've got such a deep hole, you don't know how to get out of it. And, and what I found is that it's always best just to tell the truth. And, and the Bible says Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, he witnessed a good confession. Look at John 18, 37. Pilate said unto Jesus, here's the question he asked him, art thou a king then? And look what Jesus' answer was, thou sayest that I'm a king. To this end was I born, and this we're talking about Christmas right now. He came into this world. Jesus said, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. And here it is. Here's the cause, that I should bear witness unto what? Unto the truth. That's the whole reason Jesus came to this world was to bear witness to the truth. And he says, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know what that means? Jesus is the supreme truth teller. There's never been anyone that tells the truth like Jesus told the truth because every time he was a faithful witness. And those who want to find the truth, here's what they need to do. They need to listen to him. Because remember what he said in John 14, 6? He said, I am the truth. He embodies the truth. So when you read the word of God, what, here's what you find is that Jesus is trustworthy. You know why? Because he is the faithful witness. The question this morning many people are still asking is, can I trust him? And the answer to that is yes, because he's the faithful witness. But look at the second question that we see there in Revelation 1 and verse number 5. And the second question is, does he have the power to help me? Does he have the power to help me? Now, I've, I've called on people. I've asked people to help me do certain things. But, you know, there are some things beyond our human abilities, you know. And uh, Brother Tim helped me uh, last week, and, and uh, we were doing something, and, and Brother Tim's well qualified to do it. But it, it, honestly, I, he was just stumped trying to help me do something at, at our house. And, uh, and it, it, it worked out. Praise the Lord, it worked out. It's still working out, Brother Tim. But, but, you know, the thing is, is that uh, I, I thought to myself the whole time he was over there, I thought, listen, I, I didn't tell him, but I just kept thinking, you know, you can do it. I know you can do it. You know, I'm sitting there. And, and so right before, because he tried something, it didn't work. And then he, he looked at me and he says, he says, preacher, you need to pray this time. And I, when he looked at me, I was all, honestly, I was already praying because it was getting late. His wife had called 16,000 times wanting to know where her husband was, you know. And, and I'm thinking to myself, this needs to work. And then he looked at me and he says, now, if this doesn't work, uh, I don't have any more parts. You're not going to have water. And I thought, Lord, I've got a daughter in there that needs water and it better work. <laughs> And so I was praying. I was like, Lord, please, you know, I, I've never prayed over plumbing before, Brother Juan. I've never prayed over plumbing. But, but listen, there are times where it's beyond our human uh, abilities to do things. And the question that not only do people ask, can I trust him? But here's the thing is, is does he have the power to help me? Now, look what, go back to verse 5 again, because the second title that John uses about Jesus helps us with this. Does Jesus have the power to help us? And look what, what he calls him. The first begotten of the what? Of the dead. Now think about this, because this is a, a reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you study it out, Jesus is the first person 
whoever rose from the dead that would never die again. Now think about that. He's the first person that ever rose from the dead that would never die again. During his earthly ministry, if you study the Word of God, you found that Jesus raised people from the dead. He raised Lazarus. Remember his two sisters, Lazarus' sisters? Uh, Jesus, if you'd have been here, our, our brother wouldn't be dead. But it was Jesus let him go four days to prove that he had power over death. And so he raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised the widow's son. Remember the funeral procession going through the city of Nain and the widow with her son and Jesus stopped the funeral procession and he touched the buyer, the coffin, and the, the son sat up and boy, you talk about a great day, you know. Jairus, remember Jairus in the Bible? Jairus had a daughter that was at the point of death and Jesus went to her and raised her from the dead. But listen, all of those people that Jesus raised from the dead, they would eventually die again. They're, still, they're not alive today. But Jesus, as the Bible says here, is the first begotten of the dead. All of those people would eventually die, but not Jesus. See, when he rose from the grave on Resurrection Sunday, we oftentimes call Easter Sunday morning. When Jesus rose from the tomb, he rose once and for all. Now, I'm going somewhere that, with this because remember the question, does he have the power to help me, all right? If we think, you know, can the Lord really help me with my problems? Well, listen, if, if he did that, if Jesus rose from the dead, then certainly he can do anything. The Bible says, how about this? When you look at Revelation 1.18, the Bible describes Jesus as he that liveth and was dead. Now, look at the phrase, and behold, I am alive for how long? forevermore. See, Jesus is never going to die again. He's the first one, uh, the first in a long line of people that would be raised from the dead that would never die again. Look, our faith this morning in the resurrection of the dead doesn't rest in physically what we can see with our eyes. Our faith rests in the act of God where God raised his son Jesus from the dead. Look what the Bible says in Mark 23. If thou believest, okay, if, the, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. The question this morning is, do you believe that he can help you? Because I believe God can help us. I believe God can help us in any situation. God can do anything. So Jesus, does he have the power to help you? Certainly he does. He does. Why? Because he is the first begotten of the dead. See, look, he is one that we can trust. He is one that can help us. He has the power to help us. But look at the third question that we see from verse number five. The third question is, will he take care of my future? Now, you think about that young mother by the name of Mary. Think about how she was on that Christmas morning. She had just given birth to the Son of God. And she hears all these things about Jesus, who he is, what he's going to do. And she probably sat there thinking to herself, is he going to be able to help me with my future? How is this all going to play out? How, is, how am I going to be able to, to live my life? And you know, a lot of people this morning, they're uncertain about the future. None of us know what tomorrow holds, right? But listen, aren't you glad that you know the one that knows tomorrow? And see, here's a great question. 
And, you know, look, we can trust him and we know that he has the power to help us. But the question is, will he take care of our future? And it comes in this final title that, that John uses for Jesus. Look at it. He calls him the prince of the kings of the earth. Look at that phrase now, the prince of the kings of the earth. Now, you know what that title means? I want you to wrap your mind around this. Here's what it means. He is the ultimate authority over all the kings of the earth. He is over every king, and here's why, because of his resurrection. Look, there, are, there have been some great kings throughout history, and they might be great, but guess what? He's greater. I mean, we think about how great he is, how he's not merely just one of these kings, that Jesus rules over everlasting one of them. Look what the Bible says in Revelation 17. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Look at Revelation 19. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, and I love this, King of kings and Lord of lords. Years ago, historically, in the first century, there was the mighty emperor by the name of Nero. And if you've ever studied it out, Nero was a very wicked man. He was a ruler of the kings of the earth. And one of the things that he prided himself on was that in his hands, Nero knew that he held the power of life and death. If somebody did something and Nero chose to bring them before everyone, he could either give them a thumbs up and the man would live, or he could do a thumbs down and the man would die. It's interesting how later on Nero was the one that you can't say credited because I believe it was the will of God, but he took the life of the Apostle Paul. And I think that in Nero's mind, because he thought he was such a mighty emperor, that he thought that with the death of Paul, that all that believe in Jesus, Christianity, would, it would be the end of Christianity as the world knows it. But isn't it interesting that here we are 2,000 years later and Christianity is still alive because Jesus is still alive. There's been a lot of people that have been rulers of this world. Even today, there's a lot of political leaders. We've even seen some in the recent days that have fallen because of certain things. But they're in various domains. There's mayors that serve here in our community and and there's council, men and women, there's chairmen, there's governors, congressmen, senators, uh, presidents, prime ministers, potentates of every sort and every variety. But listen, doesn't matter who they are, Jesus is over every last one of them. He's over every last one of them. See, this world, certainly when you look at it, guess what? This world is a mess. And you can even make a case for the fact that sometimes we, we get in our minds that the devil is just... Uh, having his way that he is the ruler of this world. But we think about what uh, the scriptures tell us that even in the life of Job, that Satan is only allowed to do whatever God allows him to do. He's on a short leash, folks. In due time, you know what's going to happen is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, he's going to step out onto the world stage of history. And those hands that were nailed to the cross many years ago, they will reign and rule in this world. See, although we don't see it today, 
we know that the Word of God tells us that this is a sure thing, that it will be fulfilled. But in the meantime, right now, here's what we need to understand if it's going to help us in this hour we live in, is that Jesus is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. Now, you even go back to the Old Testament, Daniel. And look what it says in Daniel chapter 2 about God. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Remember how in the Old Testament that the children of Israel, that all this God ever wanted to be to them was he wanted to be their God. He wanted to be their king. And remember how all the warring nations, all those countries and nations around them, they all had a king, a man king. And because of that, Israel said, we want a king. And you remember who they got? I remember his name? Saul. And if you study the word of God, you probably already know what happened with the life of Saul. You see, what we need to understand this morning is God is in control. Even those that have been put into office, sometimes, it, listen, God sets them up. God removes them. Sometimes, as you see in the life of Saul, God will sometimes give us what we want. And then after we get it, guess what? We, we don't really want it, do we? See, God is in control. And so, look, He can't take care of our future. Uh, he, when we think about the kings and those that reign and rule, listen, they reign by Him. They are restrained by Him. They are replaced by Him. And listen, someday they will be judged by Him. He is in control of all of them. Listen, can he take care of my future? He did for Mary, and he can do that for you. He can take care of your future. Well, here's why. Because he is not just one of the kings of the earth. He is the prince of the kings of the earth. Folks, it, listen, I'm not talking all state this morning. You're in good hands when you're in the hands of the one who was nailed to the cross, the one that will one day rule this universe. And again, you think about this. How does a baby turn out? You know, wouldn't it be nice to know? I mean, sometimes, maybe sometimes not. We never know how a child is going to turn out. But one thing is, is that this baby that was born in Bethlehem's manger, he surprised all of them, did he not? Uh, there were questions about, is not this the carpenter's son? They, they, they held him in very low regard. But here we are 2,000 years later, and does he not still surprise us today? of all that the Lord has done. And in the world we live in today, listen, folks, there's no security outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the truth this morning about Christmas, is that Jesus is one that you can trust. Jesus is one that has the power to help you. And Jesus is one that will take care of you. And that's, listen, folks, that's why we sing the song, Joy to the World. Now listen, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her what? Her king. And it's at Christmas time, we think about, we think about the, the Christ child. Jesus came and was born, but the whole reason he came was to give his life that all who believe in him would have eternal life someday. I hope you're here this morning and you know Christ as your Savior. And if not, listen, you can trust him. He will help you, and he will take care of you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you for 
the Lord Jesus Christ, of all that he means to us. I thank you that he came and gave his life. And this morning, in just a few minutes, we'll hear a presentation in song. And Lord, a message through maybe just a, a few lines and then a message from the Word of God. And I pray that it would be used to speak to our hearts. And if there's somebody that does not know the Savior of the world, He came to save them from their sins. Lord, may they put their faith in Him today. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.